I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. indefinitely is the nothing personal word of the day. Good morning. It is the last day of February, February 28th, 2023. Indefinitely is what LeBron James is looking at with his new foot injury. Apparently he hurt hurt his foot when the Lakers were playing the Mavericks. Part of that ridiculous nothing personal pick of the day debacle where the Lakers came back from 27 points down to beat the flapless, hapless, terrible Dallas Mavericks. What was I even thinking on a side note, Coca? Kyrie just doesn't bring anything good to Luka other than lack of ability to win. Maybe there's time. But the Lakers, on the other hand, instead of bringing in Kyrie, still found a way to get rid of Westbrook at the deadline. They found a way to help LeBron. They brought in D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba. What about that guy, Rui Hachimura? He's good. Jared Gloria Vanderbilt, what about him? Lakers were all excited, ready to go. LeBron said, these are the 23 most important regular season games of my life. And then that's it. An unfortunate foot injury. When a team announces that something's indefinite, you don't ever like doing that. That's always was always was a last resort for me with any sort of announcements. We would sometimes like to give you the minimum. So that's the, when we would say, hey, four to six weeks, that's six to eight weeks. When we turn it into months, that's bad. Two to three months instead of eight to 12 weeks. It's sort of like when you're saying the age of your child. How old is your child? 22 months. All right, almost two years old. When your child's three and a half, you don't say, how old is your child? 42 months. Eventually, you go to three years. Then eventually, you go to, hey, he's almost six. Turning eight. You change your language depending on the age. How old your child? Three weeks old. Sometimes when it's days, how's your child? 10 days old. You don't say a week and a half, you say 10 days. So literally it starts from the beginning of birth and goes on, and that's the same with injuries. Day to day, that's the first kind of injury. Could be a couple days. Looking at about a week, maybe one to two weeks, two to four weeks, I like that. A month, six to eight weeks, two months. But indefinitely, when you say indefinitely, it means, uh uh-oh, I don't know. 
an indefinite injury, because indefinite to me, when I use that word, means forever. It's infinity. He's out indefinitely. You are suspended indefinitely. Now we know when you get suspended indefinitely, that means that you can try again in a week, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, look for reinstatement, meet the commissioner, write a letter saying that you didn't mean to post the video. You can do all sorts of things. The Lakers only have 21 games left. Some people are all excited though, because PR, you put in a very simple stat in the game notes. Game notes are what are given by the team to the media to have the media put in its stories or in its tweets. And you put all sorts of stats. The Lakers are 17 and four when leading by 12 points with three minutes left in the game. The Lakers were 0 and 138 down by 27 with eight seconds to go in the game before the game, whatever. You just put all these stats in and then people tweet it. And this all comes from the research of your own PR department of your team. That's really what they do. That's their job. Find me a way to spin what happened last night that writers can put into their notes column or into tweets that makes it seem cool. Like someone's doing something interesting or different. But when you say that you're 29 and 32 with 21 games left. What you say is the Lakers at 29 and 32 only sit three games behind fifth place in the conference. <laughs> what they don't say is the Lakers are currently 12th in the conference, two games out of a play-in tournament, let's say, or one game or a half a game. When you're inside a front office, you are very focused on who's ahead of you. Little did you know that it's better to be five games behind one team than one game behind five teams. Sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Nope, it's not. Because when five teams are fighting for one spot and you're all within one game, the... it's my 10th sneeze of the day, Coco. Something's going on with the snow, I think. I may be allergic to snow. I have been sneezing, excuse me, Coca, sorry. Am I allergic to snow? I wouldn't think so. New blazer? I don't think so. A frog in my throat? It doesn't cause you to sneeze. What were we talking about? Do you know when you sneeze and you sort of forget the fact that you were doing anything because you can only focus on the sneeze? Has that ever happened to you? And then someone tells you that you can't sneeze and fart at the same time. So every time you do it, you try to do both and then realize it's true that you can't do both. What were we talking about? Oh, one game back of five teams. Thank you, Coca. Reel me back in, baby. The problem when you're one game behind five teams or five teams within one game, they're playing each other, someone's always winning. When you're only chasing one team, you only have one team to root against to lose. And when you play that team, it's always a two game swing. When you're playing the team ahead of you and there's five teams within a game and you beat that team, you're right, it's a two game swing with that particular team, but you still have three teams, one of whom likely won, in which case you didn't make the progress at all. So it's not even a two game swing or even a one game swing. So the Lakers have a real problem. 
They've got a 38-year-old player who's having a season to die for, coming off a season to die for, averaging 38 and 8. He's not playing full seasons. LeBron James is no longer a full-time player. Whether it's injuries, load management, it doesn't much matter to me. What matters is the number of GP next to your name at the end of a season. He's at 47 right now. There's 21 to go. Let's pretend that in this case, the Lakers indefinitely means a week. Let's say he misses three games and he plays every other game the rest of the season. 47 plus 18 is 55. That's right in the neighborhood of what he's been doing. 55 of 82 games, forget that you're making $50 million and the actual salary for that is an uh, imputed $70 million salary, let's say, or $80 million salary, because in theory, you're paid to play a full season. How can we expect LeBron to be LeBron every single year, not just at 37, 38? What about next year at 39? What about at 40 when it's Bronny's first year in the league? when it's the player option that he can say, I'm gonna stay with the Lakers, bring in Bronny, pay me 50 million plus, and I'll get to play with my son. The Lakers are in an unenviable position. It's like the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, come to think of it. When you've got two of the top five players in the league and you don't make the playoffs, do you extend the top five players in the league, keep them on your team? Or do you move on and try to build a team that can actually win? If the Lakers don't make the playoffs with Anthony Davis and LeBron James and all of the additions they made at the deadline, where some described it as being all in, but if they don't make the playoffs, is it out of the question that you move on, that you find a way to just start over, rebuild your team, try to bring in a new big three? Would that be crazy because they won the COVID bubble title they got something out of LeBron and AD. It's still a title. But clearly what they have now is not working. Notwithstanding the comeback over Dallas. Well, the Lakers do not have an indefinite amount of time to figure out what they're going to do next. They simply don't. They have, I guess you can rebuild with first round picks. Maybe. They've got a couple, not many. They got some stuff with the Pelicans. They have their own pick in 2026. The only pick they have is 2026. Keep that in mind. They traded all of their picks in 23, 24, and 25. So their first first round pick is 26. NBA teams are doing this. And this is going to stop, Coca. You're talking in my ear telling me about all the picks they traded away. Just so you know, uh, when MLB did not allow the trading of picks for a reason. They did not want teams to be in a position that NBA teams find themselves in, that NFL teams find themselves in, because the cheapest, best way to acquire talent is through the draft. And when you trade all your picks, you are counting on all the overdone, overpaid veterans to do something for you. And if you get it wrong, you're totally screwed. So you combine the fact that the Lakers have no picks, you combine the fact that LeBron's not really playing full seasons because of injury and load management. Anthony Davis is out with foot sprains all the time and issues with his feet, etc. I think you've got to remember that the Lakers may need a new tack. T Ick. I want to say tack. That's what sailboats do. You could say that. They need a new tack because they're in irons a little bit right now. Sailing reference, no wind.
You know, the whole thing, basketball, they come off as though everything's good because all you're reading about is, hey, we are in great shape. We've got so many people bidding for their for their media rights. They were all at the All-Star Game in Utah sucking down alcohol while ordering food because you have to do both. Maybe skiing in Park City, looking to see if Bob was there, Redford. And they're spending their time jumping all over each other to bid triple, double, triple, quadruple the rights fees. Baseball is saying, we're healthy. The Suns went for $4 billion. Hell yeah. I got news for you. They got to get this CBA done by the end of March before any of those opt-outs. They're very concerned about load management and you've got players and management who's thinking about this. And now Adam Silver even came out yesterday with a pretty funny one. I like this. He wanted to go with the NBA all-star game method for overtime as a way to cut load management. Are you kidding me, Adam? Put a target score for overtime. So let's pretend a game goes to overtime. You reset the score. You start at zero and you say first guy to 20 wins in a five minute overtime. Frankly, you don't need a five minute overtime. I guess you need a five minute if people don't score 20 points. You put a time limit on it and you do a target score. You think a target score gets rid of load management? All it does is get rid of comebacks in the last 45 seconds. If you have to get to 20 and you get there with a minute left, the game ends. Even though there could be two three-pointers and missed shots and missed foul shots, why even bother the hack-a-shack rule? Just get yourself to 20, fouling doesn't matter. There is no way that's happening, Coca. There is no way. Target scoring overtime, forget about that. The Celtics crushed the Knicks last night, so we had a very good nothing personal pick of the day. We were 27 and 32. We are now 27 and 33, as the Celtics minus three over in the Knicks was an easy loser. Man, the Knicks are playing like a team, and the Celtics without Jalen Brown, they did not shoot well. The Knicks just outplayed them in every facet of the game. Good teams beat great players, and that's what happened. I'm not going to say it's time to believe. I'm not going to say that Jim Dolan is great. I'm going to say the trend's your friend. The Knicks had won five in a row. What you doing picking the Celtics, Dave? I'm losing 27 and 33. We're going to go with the Lakers losing to the Grizzlies tonight. I think the Lakers are probably despondent with LeBron James out indefinitely. The Grizzlies with John Moran can sort of stick a foot on the uh, chest of their or on the, on the ankle, that's what they're going to do, of the Lakers. Grizzlies, eight and a half over the Lakers is my nothing personal pick of the day. So the NFL draft is coming. Thank God we can start talking NFL again. Scouting combine coming up so I can see how big you are and how fast you run the four and how high you jump. Show me that video, baby. I want live. I want to report live from the combine because it's awesome. I want to see who can sh throw a pee dart from 45 yards to a tackle dummy. I think that's very applicable to show you what happens when there's real people running down at you in the middle of the game. I want to know how quick you run the 40 because I'm looking at the breakaway speed. If you can get through the three, four hole in the offensive line, show me. And you got to love the high jump just in case you got to do a little goal line fourth and one. Although I think we learned from the Eagles how to do that is you get low, baby, like rugby low if you're going to try to get fourth and one. But no, I want to see what stick you can touch. I may be a little bitter about that. I was terrible at those things. I had zero hops. I couldn't run fast. Couldn't do anything but shoot free throws and dribble and pass and shoot and field and not be scared of the ball. 
the combines or the showcases are not for me. But NFL's back, draft is coming soon, and all the rage is what will the Chicago Bears do with their first round draft pick? They draft first in some ridiculous, terrible play by Lovey. I'm now fired Smith going for the win on the last day of the season. The Bears got the number one pick instead of the Texans. Lovey Smith was ixnade. I would have done it during the game. I just cannot believe, I still can't believe that, Coca, that the Texans tried to win a game. What, you're happy about yourself going four and 13 instead of three and 14? You great, you good? Having the number one pick overall means you hold the cards, you're in charge. You can decide whether or not Justin Fields is your quarterback. You can actually figure out as he enters year three, is he gonna be your franchise quarterback? Are you gonna look to extend him or tag him? You have to be able to project. That is why you need good football people. Do you know the second most rushing yards of any quarterback ever? We're talking about a quality quarterback on a crappy team. So the GM of the uh, Bears, he's a guy named Poles, Billy Poles, Johnny Poles, somebody Poles, Rick Poles, Anyway, it doesn't matter what his name is just because I can't remember and I apologize. He's trying to figure out what to do. And when you've got the number one overall pick, here's what you tell the other teams. It's very simple. You get on the phone and you say, we are open for business. This does not mean they're gonna trade the number one pick. It means they're actually a responsibly run franchise. What, when the phone rings, you close your eyes, bury your head in the sand and say, forget it, I'm not taking calls. That's negligence. It's malpractice for crying out loud meatloaf. Don't tell me that you're taking calls. That's like being a baseball player and saying, yeah, I'm gonna bring my glove to the park. Great, I appreciate the effort. That really is nice of you. And the number one overall pick does not get traded all that much. The last team to do it was actually the Rams in 2016 when they got their Super Bowl winning quarterback. That guy who's on the Lions, Jared Goff. They drafted him out of Cal. They moved up and got him. Good for them. It worked. They got a Super Bowl. They then signed him to that outrageous contract. They found a way to unload it to Detroit. And now Detroit is actually getting better while the Rams stink because Jerry Jones said they would stink because they went all in like the Eagles. Can't wait to see what he says about the Eagles. Jerry Jones is gonna have some choice words, isn't he? So this guy, Poles, wants to convince other teams that he's gotta be blown away by an offer for the number one overall pick. So he said, quote, we have flexibility. Another hint, I'm sorry to say, when you are on the clock in a draft, which means you've got the number one overall pick, you don't need to say you have flexibility. You're in charge of the whole damn thing. You are completely flexible. I'm talking palms on the mat, ankles over your ears type of flexibility. I'm talking, yeah, that kind of flexibility. We have flexibility where if there's opportunities where if we can turn that into a lot of players that come in and help us, we can do that. NSS, baby. But he kept going. If it's staying put or really being selective with certain people, we can do that as well. Yeah, you got the number one overall pick. You have the choice of every single draft eligible player in the nation, every single one. 
What's your plan? And then he got to his plan. This is a really good quote, isn't it? I know my expectation and our expectation is that we move the needle to be more successful. <laughs> really? Way to go. I think the owner of the Bears must just be tingling with pride over the fact that their GM believes that the expectation is that we move the needle to be more successful. Hell yeah. George Went is rolling over at his bar stool right now. Chris Farley is rolling over below the bar stool. The Bears. The Bears. That's what they're telling us? Tell me what your thought process is because you can say anything publicly when you've got the number one pick. You can actually put it out there. We actually would look to be improving on the offensive line, the defensive line. We'd like some speed in the receiving core, and we want a quarterback who's ready to go right now. That's our thought. If we get that, we're ready to talk. Then the other 31 teams look and say, huh, I've got that, and I wouldn't mind moving up to the number one pick because I want to take Bryce Isaiah. Who is it? Um, come on, Coca, talk to me. Bryce Young? Bryce, is he the quarterback? Chase Young? Bryce Chase? I can't hear you. Bryce Young. Oh, and it's Ryan Poles. Sorry, Ryan. If I'm going to talk about your quote, I might as well know your first name. Ryan Poles is the GM of the Chicago Bears. So the teams are calling, deciding what to offer. The Bears are deciding whether to take it. Do you think that teams wait until the actual moment of the pick to decide what they're going to do? What you do in your draft room is you wait to hear from your executive office where the executive office comes down who works with your GM and says, all right, these are the trades we're willing to do and that's it. We're not flexible. Call the teams and if they hit the bid on the exact trade we want, we will trade the number one pick. That's it. That's all you do, just to be clear. You don't get a trade offer two minutes before the draft and then accept to do it and trade your pick. You can announce that trade and a trade that's done on draft day for a number one overall is only done when the team who acquires the number one pick has agreed to what the team who has the number one pick wanted all along. You don't negotiate. There is no need to negotiate. Wait to see when I tell you something's gonna happen. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I'm going to revisit it. I'm going to give you an official wait to see with the Chicago Bears. I'm reading between the lines that Ryan Poles has put into the sand. <laughs> Get it? Poles, sand, pun intended. Stay with me, studio audience of zero. The Bears will trade their number one pick. Wait to see. All right, we come back. Smash! 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 And we're not talking just about Aaron Judge. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you. We are live Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We're daily five days a week, live Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Subscribe to YouTube. Nothing personal with David Sampson. I don't know why there aren't more. And 12,000 is not a high number, and we can't even get to that. And so many of you are listening to this. I appreciate that. But just for fun, go to YouTube just to at least check out the new blazer and the new shirt and just say, hey, nice gel. Don't you need a haircut? I'll subscribe. Thank you. These things matter. Tell your friends. Smash, smash, smash. What a weird documentary I watched yesterday. The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker. Some homeless guy saved somebody in a car accident. After the car accident, one of the people got upset, tried to kill someone. The guy with the thumb out, the bandana on, saved a civilian, became a social media celebrity, a reality TV star, and then they made a documentary about him. Because it is interesting that someone's life can be so bizarre. And I'm not saying being homeless is what makes you bizarre. I'm saying being bizarre is what makes you bizarre. But being bizarre makes for good television. But what you don't know is that in reality television, very often the bizarre is a little, uh, it's a little manufactured. It makes good drama. It makes good TV. I always laugh about all the fighting that goes on on Survivor, thinking back to my days, literally days on Survivor. I guess I would just say this, that if you're gonna make someone a reality TV star, you better make sure they're not cray cray. That's only rule number two. Rule number one, make sure they're free to come to the set. Hint, wink, wink. Maybe you haven't heard of the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker because he doesn't have his own show. Why doesn't he have his own show? Because maybe he's not free to come to the set. Smash, smash. It's worth watching. It's about an hour and a half. I didn't know anything about the story. It is cray-cray. Truth is stranger than fiction. Hatchet-wielding. I don't think anyone should have a hatchet. It's not that I'm against all guns, which I am, or all hatchets, which I am. I understand that you need hatchets to get through an impenetrable jungle, or maybe that's a machete. Is a machete different than a hatchet, Coca? I can't imagine. They must be. Why would you have two words for them? In any case, they are different. I love that you know this stuff, Coca. I don't know anything that you know, and there are things that you don't know that I do. Okay. One looks like a hammer and the other looks like a what? A big knife? Well, I know a machete looks like a big knife. I guess a hatchet looks like a hammer. If I had a hatchet, I'd swing it in the morning. I'd swing it in the evening. MLB changed their rules and they're so happy. All of you out there are so happy. Game times, two hours and 12 minutes, 219, 224, hip, hip, hooray. Come on. Don't you think it's just a little tad early to make judgments and conclusions about how long games are gonna be? 
game ends with a called third strike when there wasn't even a swing. Batter's clock violation. Come on. It's not going to happen during the regular season. Half innings taking shorter than one pitch. We're getting video of that. Someone released a video. I can't remember who on Twitter, but it was good, showing how an entire half inning was the same time as one at-bat or one pitch from a pitcher. I can't remember who. It doesn't matter. It's been three, four games. Here's what you should be focused on. MLB is thrilled with the rule changes. Why? Because the players have bought into them. And you do not get change in the game, no matter what you force onto players. You do not get the benefits of the change that you anticipated and that you were planning to get without players buying into it. Here's an example. We wanted players to not run around with their back pockets flipping behind them. Sounds a little crazy, right? And that only worked when we got the players who liked doing it agreed to stub, shove their pockets in their pants. We wanted to go no facial hair policy. If we had someone with a beard and he wanted to keep his beard and that guy was like Andrew Kashner, let's say, and he wouldn't have shaved his beard, maybe that's why he was bad, a little Samson situation, then we the rule wouldn't be followed. But if everyone is behind something, you don't have a problem enforcing it. When everyone's not behind a curfew on the road, you can't enforce it because you can't find the players. But can you imagine a rule change where Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom, not Jacob deGrom, one, six, 69. Can you imagine a rule change where Max Scherzer and Aaron Judge both come out in favor of the same rule change? Where Max Scherzer comes out and says the pitch clock is an advantage to pitchers and Aaron Judge says the pitch clock is an, is an advantage to hitters. There is Snoopy dance going on in the commissioner's office when you've got two players like that saying what they said. Now, why would they say it? Aaron Judge said that to him, what he loves, what basically what he loves about the rule is that you can play around with it a little bit, that it speeds up the game. His view is that anything that keeps the pitcher moving and on the go will keep the pitcher out of breath. Remember, Aaron Judge, like all the other hitters, are mistake hitters. When pitchers are out of breath, what does it cause them to do when they're rushing their delivery? That hurts their mechanics. It hurts their release point. It allows the batter to pick up on the spin of the ball faster. Therefore, know what it is, the pitch, therefore put bat to ball and hit it harder and longer. No doubt what Aaron Judge says is correct. But Max Scherzer said it's the other way. The pitcher's now in charge. I can totally dictate the pace. The rule change of the hitter having only one timeout changes everything, Scherzer said. It changes the whole dynamic. I can work quickly or I can work slowly. I can mess with the hitter's timing. And we're seeing a little bit of that already because the hitter has to be ready with eight seconds on the clock and a pitcher can make him wait the entire eight seconds and throw the ball with one second or the pitcher can throw immediately with eight seconds or whenever the hitter is showing that he's ready and in the hitting position, the pitcher can go or then the pitcher can step off, then step on, then the clock starts, then the batter starts. So in a way, Max Scherzer is right, but only if you're Max Scherzer. 
There's going to be a lot of pitchers making a lot of mistakes because they're focused on the pitch clock. They're trying to figure out where they are in their motion, whether or not the clock has stopped, whether or not it started, whether or not they've got time, whether or not there's a situation where they've got to put a pitch in a certain place because there's a runner on first and they're trying to induce the double play. The pitcher's got to focus on where the defense is. They've got to focus on it's different now because the defense is in different places because there's no shift. The catcher's looking out, giving the sign. Max Scherzer even had his own pitch comm device during spring training this year where he was the one calling some pitches to save even more time. That's a funny thing where uh, I love catchers. It is a very, very important position. I love to catch when I love to play, and I still love to have catches. I love being involved in every play. What I didn't love is when pitchers after a game would come up to me and say, man, I did not like the way that game was called. I did not like that pitch at that particular time, talking about the home run that the guy gave up to lose the game. And I would always say the same thing. I'm sorry, did our catcher walk to the mound and force you to throw a particular pitch? Did he stand there yelling into your face and making sure that you threw the pitch that came from his fingers? If you don't want to throw a certain pitch, I don't care if the catcher puts his fingers down 10 times. Don't throw it. Because guess what? The pitch that you throw is your responsibility, period. So I like that Scherzer has the pitch clock. But it's very important to remember and to understand what's happening here and why it's important that hitters and pitchers are both on board with the rule changes because eventually that will lead to slower games, not 230, faster games, not 230. It's not going to be that. I think baseball would tell you that if we could have an average game time of 245 down from 306, they would be in heaven. I don't think you're going to see an average game time of 245 this year and an increase of actually 21 minutes from last year based on this pitch clock seems too good to be true. Not impossible, but too good to be true. We'll see. But it's going to be interesting. The other thing that was going on yesterday that I found interesting, Jacob DeGrom gave an interview to John Heyman of the New York Post. And you don't often see players tell the truth about their contract situation. Jacob DeGrom signed that five-year huge deal with Texas. I don't know if you remember that. It was a five-year, $185 million deal. He left the Mets to become part of the Texas Rangers. Normally, we rely on sources and rumors to think about what's been happening, where the other teams were in the bidding process. It came out in this article that the Mets offer was basically 50% less than what the, the Rangers offer was. Anybody who wants to fight or argue collusion, you're not going to succeed because Texas is always counted on to eliminate all possible collusion arguments from the union. Texas overpaid by so much to A-Rod when they signed him to 252 over 10. The Braves weren't even close to that. Texas overpaid so badly for DeGrom, the Mets weren't even close to that. So DeGrom, when he's talking, said to Heyman, said, I have no hard feelings. How am I doing, Jason? Good. I have no hard feelings toward the Mets. Everything's great. I didn't think I'd leave. And then he said something about it was just business. It wasn't anything personal toward the Mets. Of course it is. 
Jacob DeGrom being offered five years, 185, you don't need to be a genius to know that he took it because it's more money without state tax. He could hate Steve Cohn, hate his teammates, hate the commute to City Field, not want to bring his car to the chop shops, not believe there's gonna be a casino and not like the clubhouse food. If the Mets had offered more than the Rangers, he would have been a Met. It's sort of clear. So for Mets fans out there, don't be upset that Jacob DeGrom said it. Don't be upset with Steve Cohn that he didn't match the Texas Rangers. He shouldn't have matched them. It's a totally ridiculous contract, but he's back throwing bullpens, so everything's gonna be okay. So I like when players give interviews. It's tougher to get interviews these days, actually, because often players are on their Twitter account and they're saying what they wanna say the way they wanna say it. It used to be if players wanted to get a message out, they had to do it through the media. Now, they've, now they're their own media. Chris Bassett is a player who signed a three-year deal with the Blue Jays, another former Met. And he went to the Blue Jays for three years, $63 million. Holy shnikes. And he tweeted something that I'm gonna read to you because I do not want you, the audience, to think for a minute that Chris Bassett as a pitcher knows anything about the business of baseball, much as I don't know anything about how to get hitters out towing the rubber 60.6 away from a hitter. Chris Bassett said, to the owners going forward and still making money, thank you. To the owners not going forward and pocketing hundreds of millions, be better. The false argument for yearly revenue loss is laughable. But honestly, just look up how much the team was purchased for versus the current value. How many more times do I have to explain to a player, to a fan, to anybody what current valuation does for your current cash flow? Here I go, back to your house example. You've got a $2,000 a month mortgage payment. You bought a house for $400,000. You have a mortgage of $200,000 and your payment is 2,000 a month. I'm making the numbers up, but stay with me. The point remains the same. There is a housing boom. Your house is now worth $2 million. Oh my God. You bought a house for 400 grand that's now worth 2 million. Your house has gone up five times. It's a miracle. Barry Manilow time. The bank sends you the bill for your August mortgage payment of $2,000. You write back to the bank, I don't have the $2,000, but the house is worth 2 million now. And the bank writes back and says, great, give me the $2,000. You write back and say, I don't have the $2,000, but what I do have is a house that's worth 2 million. And the bank says, great, we'll take the house. To get where I'm going, just because the value of your asset has gone up does nothing for your current cash flow until you sell. Yes, teams are going up in value, but in order to cover losses, you need the cash or the ability to take on more debt either the cash from operations of your business or the cash of operations from your other business or from the money in your mattress. If you own two businesses and one business is losing money and one business is making money, do you take the money from the business that's making money and give it to the business that's losing money to pay for the losses of the business that's losing money? 
If you do that, then both companies are even and you're not making money. Or you get rid of the business that's losing money, keep the business that's making money, and then you're making money. What are we in 10th grade math? No, we're in first grade math. For owners going for it and still making money, what players really are saying, whether you're going for it or not and you're making money, you should be going for it more. And if you're not going for it but making a profit, how dare you? Don't make a profit. Go for it to the point where you're not making a profit. There is no team going for it and still making money on an operating basis. The San Diego Padres are getting crushed. The New York Mets are getting crushed. You think it's a coincidence that the Dodgers payroll went down? Their starting shortstop was carted off the field. What are they going to go trade for Bogarts now? No, they're going to play Miguel Rojas for 5 million bucks. The Dodgers lower their payroll. Why would they lower their payroll? Oh, because they don't want to pay the tax? No, because they didn't want to lose money operationally. By the way, on top of that, the revenue that you think you're going to have from local revenue, look out, it may not be there. I just don't understand the narrative. It's not because I'm pro-owner or anti-player. I'm not. I'm in the media now. I'm here with you five days a week. I'm interested in helping you learn about sports and business and culture and entertainment and anything else. But when you read tweets like that and quotes like that, they just, it's like self-perpetuating nonsense and misinformation. It's like fake news because no one believes that it's not true because it looks like it should be true. Therefore, it must be true. And so we're going to say it is true. But at the end of the day, you can call it whatever you want. It's just not true. That's the essence of what fake news is. Say what you want. It's not true. Looking at what a team was purchased and what the current value is, is not accurate. The false argument for yearly revenue loss, that's the whole argument. Let me ask you another thing about your own house budget, your personal budget. Do you budget for one-time things? Do you have a miscellaneous category? I got to go to a funeral. I've got two weddings this year. I may have to go to a funeral. I may have to do a baby shower. I'm expecting one extra trip. I've got a guy's trip or a bachelor, whatever. You budget that in. What happens if an extra person gets married? Three extra people die. You skip the funeral, maybe. What happens if the price of gas goes higher than you expected and your commute costs more than you expected? What happens if you end up using more gas, more propane, more whatever? Go out to dinner one extra time because you're having a great time on Tinder. Whatever the case may be. Then your boss comes into your office and says, we got a small problem. We can't really pay you what you thought you were getting paid. We're lowering your rate. You're going to make $2,000 fewer than you thought you would. Do you go back to your expense budget and cut your expenses by 2000 Or do you go into your savings and say, I'm going to do everything I said I was going to do, but I'll just cut into my savings for 2000 I think you can answer that question for yourself, can't you? Yearly revenue loss is everything. Chris Bassett is a good pitcher. 
He's not a $63 million over three pitcher, but he is a good pitcher, but very, very misleading. Very. All right, Coca, play me some music. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson from the movie Half-Baked. David, yes. Just come on to my Twitter, David P. Samson, ask a question. It may make the show. You are my favorite translator. That's not why this question was chosen, actually, but I appreciate that. What in the name of We Are Family did Bob Nutting say about Brian Reynolds? We are, that's funny. We Are Family is what the Pirates used to be called back in the 70s when they were winning World Series. Bob Nutting is the owner of the Pirates. Brian Reynolds is the player for the Pirates who demanded a trade, didn't get traded, and now everybody's up in arms wondering, will he get traded? Is my favorite team signing him or trading him? Help me. All right, I'm gonna help you. Help me, Rhonda. Help, help me, Rhonda. I don't know if your name's Rhonda, but if it is, that'd be super cool, wouldn't it? Bob Nutty met the media, talked about a lot of things. Remember we talked about owners meeting media during spring training? And he said something here that uh, is well worth talking about. Let's talk about Brian Reynolds first. He said, we'd love to see Brian as a long-term part of the team. The piece that I was most concerned about was his level of frustration in the sense that he felt disrespected by the team. If there's a way we can bridge the gap, we're working hard to do it. So players do that a lot. You can't worry about it. They will say like Corbin Burns, I felt disrespected during arbitration. Or if you make an offer to one of your young players, they will say, well, that was disrespectful. I expected to get blank and you offered me blank. Brian Reynolds cannot go anywhere. He is a pirate. We, we know this, right? People understand arbitration and free agency. People are aware that Brian Reynolds cannot leave to play for another team for several years. So we're good with that. To be disrespected by an offer is silly to me. You can simply just say no. You don't have the right to demand a trade. Just be honest with your team owner and say, I appreciate the extension offer. I appreciate that I'm a member of the Pirates. Hopefully we'll win more than 50 games. We may, we may not. But at the end of the day, you're paying me what is fair because I'm in arbitration. And arbitration in theory is fair. And when I'm a free agent, I'm gonna go to another team unless you offer me more money than I get from another team. See you later. If you have another offer, great, I'm happy to hear it. There's no disrespect. When you can't come to an agreement with your team on an extension that covers the rest of arbitration and free agency, there's a difference in value, a difference of opinion in value. There's a difference of opinion in timing. It's normal. That's not a disrespect. Brian Reynolds should not feel disrespected by the team. He should feel thankful. Hey man, thanks for guaranteeing arbitration in my, a few of my free agent years in case I fall off a cliff or break my knee running between second and third or God forbid had some sort of degenerative thing in my hip. I appreciate that you will give my family life-changing money. Thank you. I don't want your $80 million. That said, I'd like about $180 million. But either way, I appreciate the thought. That would have been good. But then Bob Nutting explained to you why they're not going to sign Brian Reynolds. He said, there's no question the CBA contained several things that were not good for the Pirates and very few things that were excellent for us. Do you remember when the CBA was signed and I told you as a small market team and a small revenue team, if I were the president of the Marlins still, I would have voted no. 
on the new CBA that everyone was applauding as great for the owners and bad for the players. It was actually terrible for small market teams, which is why you're seeing an economic reform committee, which is why the small market teams and now even the large market teams are upset about the payroll disparity, upset about the competitive imbalance, upset about not having a chance to win before the first pitch is thrown on March 30th. Is it all coming together for you now? The single biggest issue facing the Pittsburgh Pirates, according to Bob Nutting, and he's correct, is competitive disparity, revenue disparity, and payroll disparity. Of course, we've been saying that. Don't criticize your owner, Bob Nutting, because he's saying things that are true. You can be upset that he's not acting like the Padres. I grant you that maybe you are. But guess what? The way the Padres are acting is completely irresponsible. Are you willing to be a fan of an irresponsible team that doesn't win and then tears it down because they realize that what they did is not sustainable? Or do you try to win one World Series irresponsibly and then get responsible really quickly? Hello, Marlins, you hated that too. You called that a fire sale. Brian Reynolds is gonna end up getting traded because when you're a team like the Pirates, you cannot let a player like that go in free agency. The Pirates will not be ready to contend before Reynolds becomes a free agent. Therefore, you've got to get assets for him. They're not going to sign another Jason Kendall contract, which they signed for $55 million when they moved into PNC Park as a way to get things going. That They would look back on that deal and say, wow, that was a crushing deal for us. Sign Brian Reynolds to what they're looking for, for what Brian wants, which is an overpay because he wants to be compensated for staying with the Pirates is a bad idea. Sorry to tell you, he will not be a pirate. Because at the end of the day, and Bob Nutting said it perfectly, it's just business. This is nothing personal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.